0: This is The Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. I want to get into the message this this morning. And um, I don't know about you, but we live in a time where I, I feel like everything is... Instant. Everything's available at the snap of a finger. Waiting is a lost art today. I think of a pretty patient guy. That is, you know, until I have to wait for something, right? Uh, that, that's all of us. We, we all think that we're pretty patient. Uh, we really have to, you know, wait for something until our patience is tested. For example, like all of us, we have a doctor's appointment at 10 o'clock and it's 11 o'clock before you actually see the doctor. You have to fill out form A and then 10 minutes later form B and sorry, I forgot that this is another form you have to fill out. Or I'm at a meeting, I'm, I'm at a meeting and I'm meeting someone at a particular spot and they're 20 minutes late and you're like, uh, only if they respected my time, Right? Or sitting in traffic will bring the worst out of people. Come on, somebody, can I hear an amen, right? We, we, we see people uh, producing fingers that they, you know, we've never seen before. Words that come out of their mouth, you know, like arms flaying out of the windows and, you know, all of that. And there are other kinds of waitings. There are people that are waiting for the right job, waiting for the right spouse, right? Here's one, waiting for the spouse to finally become the person you want them to be. A lot of waiting that goes on. There are so many of God's waiting rooms in our lives, but the Bible's filled with people that waited patiently. Moses is a classic illustration. He herded sheep on the backside of the desert for 40 years before God returned him to a place of leadership. Abraham waits for 25 years for his son to be born. This man called Joseph in the Bible waits to see all his dreams come to fruition in a patient season of waiting. Jesus himself waits for 30 years for his ministry to kick start. I don't know what you've been waiting for, but if you're waiting, I want to remind you you're in in very good company. In Psalm 40 verse 1, the Bible says this, I don't have this on the screen, but it says this, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me and he turned to me and he heard my cry. Now, hearing your cry doesn't mean responding to your cry. It doesn't mean answering the way you want him to answer. It doesn't mean opening the door that you want him to open. Him hearing means he has heard your cry. He has acknowledged your cry. That waiting patiently is this Hebrew word where it means position of hope and expectation. A posture of hope and expectation. In this waiting period, you have a hundred questions in your head. Man, why has God not answered my prayers? Why did someone else get the job but me? Why did someone else get a husband before I did? Like, Lord, look at me. I'm all that and some more, but why me? Why did someone else, why did she get the promotion? She, 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 She just got the job. How did she get the promotion? But man, God sometimes is interested in what he can do in us more than, what, in more than what he can do through us in seasons of waiting. It's C.S. Lewis who said this, I'm sure that God keeps no one waiting unless he sees that it's good for him to wait. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever had to believe for something, pray for something, trust God for something when he didn't answer the last thing that you prayed for? Like, you're like, Lord, I know I'm trusting you for this, but I don't think you have a good track record, Lord, because last week I prayed for that, and I don't see, I haven't seen the answers yet, and pastor's telling me to trust and hope and wait and trust in you, and I don't think, Lord, that I can do that. It's hard because whether or not we admit it, our faith deteriorates when our expectations are not met. Expectations for the Christian sometimes are like the expectations of somebody else in the world. There's this man called Elisha in the Bible that talks to us about this subject matter that I want to preach about this morning. I'll introduce the subject matter in just a few moments here. But this man, Elisha, is a man that God used in a very powerful way. A man that literally looked at God and said, God, whatever that you have given other people before me and this prophet that has come before me in the the form of Elijah, God, I want you to bless me double. I want double of what that man has seen. Yet through the life of Elisha, we will see that God did amazing things. And yet through the amazing things, you will see a dark side of Elisha's life that I want to introduce you to. See, the Bible is filled with good and bad. If I only look at you and talk to you about the good side of David, you'll hear that David was this guy, a little nobody, this average Joe that was out tending sheep and writing songs and God raised him up to be a king. He went one day, faced a giant, brought him down to his knees by a sling and a few rocks. That's a great story. But there's also another story to it. Sometimes we only hear, have you ever heard the phrase one side of the story? or can i hear your version of the story like if you ask me and my wife how did you meet we have two versions of the story i i contest that mine's the, the 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 actual version the true version where she looked at me and she was like that's the guy i want to marry what a stunning handsome brown dark tall man he is mine that's that's my version her ver- i'm i'm kidding her version is the right version There's always another side to the story. And if you look at David's life, no matter how good it was, and no matter how amazing it was, there's also this side of of his life that was so dark. This side that cheated on his wife. This side that kept running away from God. I can go on and on and on about stories in the Bible of people that had a dark side to them. See, if the Bible was filled with people that just had good stuff, and it was filled with stories of good, 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 Man, people are like, ah, this is a little hard to believe. Have you, have you ever met a fake person in your life? Come on, am I talking to somebody? Uh-huh. Some of y'all are hesitant to lift up your hands. Anybody fake here? Come on. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Fake people always, oh, I can smile on my face all the time. I have no worries in my life. I'm too blessed to be stressed. Oh, brother, I'm good. I'm awesome. Like, How are you, brother? Oh, I am so good. I've never been better. Come on, am I talking to someone? Like, there's, there's always this side that you see that, man, you have no worries whatsoever. Like, you're always blessed. Like, your marriage has no issues. Your kids are awesome. Like, they're from God. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. They're going to heaven. Because I don't know. I, I question my kids' salvation sometimes, you know? Like, I don't know about y'all, but I don't have it all together sometimes. But you're a pastor, brother. No, no, there's a dark side too that y'all don't know about. Hmm. Don't get scared, it's not like anything crazy, but I'm just like, I'm just saying. But in 2 Kings 13, we're introduced to this dark side of Elisha. And I'll talk about the good side in just a second. So catch up here with me in 2 Kings chapter number 13 and verse 14. I'll read a verse real quick. The Bible says this. Now when Elisha had fallen sick, okay, can I, can I just pause there real quick? Like, act, Like you haven't read the rest of the verse. Like this man, has fallen sick, someone say fallen sick. This guy, and and I'll tell you why this is astounding, because this man is a man that looked at God and said, God, this prophet that was before me, my mentor, this guy that trained me in the ministry, that brought me up in the ministry, this guy that I've been following all around, you've used him in a powerful way. And he said, I want double the anointing as that man. And God looks at him and says, I'll give you double the anointing. And this man goes on. He's this, this man called Elisha. He parts the waters of the river Jordan. He purifies the water source when they go to jericho you know there's this he through through him god provides water for an entire army right he goes into a widow's home he provides oil and brings them out of suicidal thoughts of where they think there's no hope like this man is a man that god has used and what like he couldn't get a miracle for himself like he has fallen sick Uh, of course he could probably heal himself right but then the Bible verse goes on to say this, with the illness of which he was to die. Ooh, I don't know about you, but I'm like, Lord, this man has done so much for you. Lord, this man is like, he has walked so many miles, he has gone to so many houses, he has done ministry like no other, he has fasted, he has prayed, he has trusted, he has believed, he has done it all, and yet this man has a sickness and a disease. We don't know what it is, but it is an incurable disease where even he knows that he is on his deathbed. And you know what, there are so many Elishas that are probably sitting over here that has a dark side. And the question is, Lord, why can I not get a miracle for myself? Like why can Elisha not get a miracle? The title of my message this morning is simple. When God doesn't. When God doesn't. What do you do when God doesn't do it for you? Because I want you to remember this. There are times that you're going to arrive in your life where you pray and the answer for prayers doesn't often look like what you want it to look like. And this is not a new thing. It's a a thing that we always think about. Have you ever been uh, like convinced to do something because somebody else told you it was awesome? Have you ever tried a restaurant because someone said, man, you got to go? Am I talking to somebody? Like you bought something, you've, you were on television and there was this infomercial that came and they told you that your life is going to be drastically changed only if you bought that. And to make it better, they gave you two for the price of one with free shipping. You know that's you. Come on, somebody. You know you didn't need it. Come on. But they said two for the price of one. You're like, I'm going to get a deal here. I'm getting a deal here. That was me. Uh, you know, a few years ago, I realized that the hair on my head were numbered. And uh, <laughs> I was like, this is biblical. Thank you, Jesus. I know that what is happening to me is not by mistake. My God's got this. The Bible talks about it. But, uh, but the moment I, I kind of understood that the hair on my face is more than the hair on my head, I began to realize I needed to do something about it. Like, like, you know, when I started balding, it wasn't a, you know, like it wasn't a good kind of balding. It was a, it was not a symmetrical kind of balding where everything started to bald together. It was a, I had like some stuff here and no stuff here. And then, so when I go into the barber, she's like, what do you want? And I'm like, what do you think I want? Like take one and do every, like, like one number for the whole thing. Like this is hard to work with. You know what I'm saying? Like some people have balding issues at the back and I'm like, Lord, why not that? Because all the light is like shining right here and all you see is... But then that's another problem, is when I turn my back, no, never mind. Uh, But here's the thing, right? Uh, I I had to do something about it. I had to do something about it. So I went on Amazon, like everyone does. And I said, I gotta find something that's gonna work for my head. So I looked at every product out there. And this one product stood out to me, because there were 28,000 people that had reviewed this product. Eric, 28,000 people? There was another product, $1,400. I was like, I'm definitely going for the $28,000. Give me your review part. You know, the product. So I go on and I'm like, like I do everything. I go through the reviews. And, and, and you know those reviews that say, I never leave a review. Like the moment you read that, you know that's a false. Like that's fake. Like you know that somebody sitting in some village that has not tested the product has been paid to write. The, anybody? No, that's just me. I'm very critical. And then there was this other guy that said, I've been only using this product for six days, and so far I'm giving it five stars. It was a strong rosemary scent, but it's more of a light, very light olive oil scent. And he said, and he he goes, I'm assuming it's a guy, he says, uh, initially there was, before I started using this product, a hundred hair used to fall out of my head, and now it's only 50. Like, he's sitting there and counting, like one, two, three, oh, it's 100, and then the next three, how many days? Six days later, it's 50, all of a sudden. He's like counting it, you know it's fake. But what do I do? I still buy it.
1: I still buy it
0: because I'm like I didn't read all twenty-eight thousand reviews. Maybe one of them is true, so I buy it. And guess what? Six days go by. <laughs> Twelve days go by, and I'm like twenty-one days. Lord, I I know that that's your number, so I'm gonna wait twenty-one days. And guess what? It worked for everyone else except me. Twenty-eight thousand people were blessed. I was stressed. I was like, "Lord, I wasted my money." You know what I'm saying? The only thing that was going on that, that that was, you know, I, and I was like I was getting frustrated. So frustrating. For some of us, sometimes it's the beauty treatments that you do or the, the creams that you buy for your face. And, and for some of us, it's praying. And Lord, I prayed, but Lord, they're telling me to pray. My friends are telling me to pray and something might happen. But Lord, it's working for them, but it's not working for me the way it should work. Lord, I'm hearing about this person that tithes uh, regularly and they got a promotion at work, but I've been tithing for him way more than he's been tithing, Lord. But nothing's working out for me, Lord. Or it's the marriage counseling and you're like, Lord, it worked for them. All it took was three weeks and they're back. And Lord, I'm just like struggling here. It's been three years and we're still going through some therapy. What do you do when God doesn't do it for you? Because unmet expectations can be one of these things that can literally drag you down and cut you to your knees. And if you haven't felt felt it till today, one day you will. One day, I assure you, you will pray for someone and they won't be healed. One day, you will believe for a miracle yourself and you will not see the miracle you want to see. One day, you will file for incorporation of a company and an idea that was birthed and you're like, man, this is amazing and I believe this is from God and the next day, you will be filing for bankruptcy. One day you will be praying that God gives you cute kids, and the next day you 'll be casting demons out of them. Because not, not everything turns out the way it worked out for others. So when God doesn't do it for you, what do you do? I want to read that verse the, the, in its entire the passage in its entirety, and we'll come to point number one in Verse number 14, the Bible says, And when Elisha had fallen sick, with the illness of which he was to die, Joash, the king of Israel, went down to him and wept before him, crying, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen, Now, I want you to, we're going to come back to that. And verse 15 says, and Elisha said to him, take a bow and arrows. So he took a bow and arrows. I'm going to fast forward to verse number 18. And it says this, and he said, take the arrows, and he took them. And he said to them, king of Israel, strike the ground with them. And he struck three times, and he, what is the word used there? Stopped. Stopped. He quit. Someone say he quit. tried three times and he quit then the man of God was angry with him and he said you should have struck five or six times then you would have struck down Syria until you had made an end of it but now you will strike down Syria only three times and abruptly out of nowhere so weird so crazy the next verse is so Elisha died and they buried him I'm like does that make any sense like one second you're prophesying, one second you're instilling life, one second you're, you're breathing life into somebody, you're encouraging somebody, you're telling them there's hope, where there seems to be no hope, and the next verse says, done, you're, done. you're dead. Oof. Like Elisha knows he's going to die, but on the heels of death, he was still willing to pray for the king. I want to remind somebody, Elisha did not allow his failure to affect his faith. The first thing I want to remind you this morning is this. When God doesn't do it for you, what do you do? The the first thing that Elisha told him to do was keep pounding. Keep striking. Keep striking. Someone say keep striking. He didn't allow the road bump to affect his purpose. See, listen, God didn't do it for me, but I have the faith that it will happen for you. I know I am at the end of the rope. I know that there's probably no hope for me. I know that I am done with my life, but there's something amazing that's about to happen. But he was trying to activate the faith inside of him and said, keep striking till you see God doing something in your life. Nothing has happened and nothing is happening, but that doesn't mean that nothing will happen. Some of us are so tired of trying and some of us are so tired of not seeing an answer for the the, the prayers that we've been praying and for the breakthrough that we've been hoping for. And God's like, are you going to quit or are you going to keep going? This sounds so elementary and so basic. But that's what God is reminding us this morning. He stops when he sees nothing happening. See, the most disheartening seasons in your life is when nothing is happening around you. The most disappointing and the demotivating seasons in your life is when you look around and you're like, Lord, this is stagnant. I'm waiting. This is just stagnancy all around me. It's in the seasons that nothing is happening that we are convinced by the enemies to put our arrows down. When's the last time you felt like putting your arrows down and your bow down because you were tired of fighting? You were tired of shooting your arrows. You were tired of of praying. You were tired of fasting. I heard somebody tell the, say this to me the other day. They were like, Pastor, I fasted year one and year two and year three. And, and Lord, I, I, it was just bad. It, was, it got from bad to worse. So this year, we just didn't fast. Like, are you abandoning that which you started? Or is God looking at you and saying, I am seeing a continuous, effectual prayer that is coming out of you. Many of us quit not knowing that the miracle is scheduled later. Am I talking to somebody? Some of us don't see the benefits of what you're doing right now, but God is reminding somebody, keep going, keep doing it, make a dis- discipline out of it. Someone say discipline. That's like my little girl. I have my three-year-old. Every single time, every morning I have a reminder, go brush your teeth. But why, daughter? I'm like, baby, I, I know, I, I, don't, I don't struggle with that with my seven-year-old because we've been through that already. But I have to convince my my three year old every single day that she needs to brush her teeth, that she needs to make her bed. Like, those things are important. But my seven year old's a different war altogether. It's a Mickey, clean up your room. And and, and she's like, Why, Dada? Why do I have to clean up my room? Because I I said, Because that's what we do every day. We got to clean up your room. Why? Is there somebody coming? (laughs) I mean, she does have a good point, right, David? She has a good point. Because she sees her mom and dad cleaning when somebody is coming. So she's like, why, why? Why do I have to clean? Is somebody coming? No, that's not why you clean, Michaela. That's not why you clean. She sees no benefit now. She doesn't see the cavity now. You're too young to see that. You don't even know what a cavity is, Carissa. You don't even know what what this cleaning can do to your discipline, to your lifestyle, and who you are as a person, Michaela. You don't know as you grow older what you do today and the systems you have in place and the order that you have in place today will benefit you tomorrow. It makes no sense to forgive somebody that has wronged you today. But what you do today has an impact on you tomorrow. I remember counseling somebody not too long ago. It was a a, a young woman that used to attend our church. She was hurt by her father's gambling and alcohol addictions at a very young age. She and her sister grew up in the home and they had an absent father who literally just came back home during bedtime, didn't say goodbye to them. He would be gone before they even woke up. It's crazy what addictions can do to people. Two sisters that grew up in the same home. I looked at that young woman and I looked at her and said, hey, you need to, you need to let go. You need to ask God to forgive you, forgive your heart, to, to heal you, to forgive him. You need to have some conversations. The two girls grew up. Went their separate ways in college and, and both of them just did not have any conversation with the father. The father came to know the Lord very, uh, very late and, and got baptized, got, got saved and, and, and his life was transformed. By the time that he wanted to make amends with his daughters, his daughters wanted nothing to do with him. And it was in a meeting like that that I was sitting across there and said, this is your moment. I won't tell you a name but I said, this is your moment. This, what you're about to do is going to define the rest of your life. And I said, here's what I will encourage you. No matter how hard it is, right now is the moment that's going to separate you from who you would become if you don't do what is right. And what was right was extending that olive branch. What was right to was to go and sit down and have a conversation with a person that hurt her most in this world. And it was this hard pill to swallow, but she did it. She said she would do it if her sister went with her. Her sister said, absolutely not. You will not find me. I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. But you're not going to find me in front of that man. Because that's how much that man has caused injury and hurt to my life. I still remember that young girl going and doing it by herself. Sitting across her dad. You know, and, and her dad breaking down. Asking for forgiveness. And wanting a relationship to be Restored. This young woman cried for hours as she talked to a father, restored that relationship. A year after that, the father found out that he had stage four cancer and was, was given two weeks to live. Not even enough time for the other daughter to come and make amends with her. He passed away. Happened so quickly. But that girl would go on to say that his, her sister, she's, she's no longer with us in our church, but she, she, would, she would tell me that her sister lives to, till today with the regret of not dealing with what she had to deal with. It was not her fault, but she still lives with that regret standing above that, that, that casket of her, of her father. She said that till today, she can't get that image out of her mind. I don't know who has hurt you today. I don't know who has trampled all over your dreams, all over your, your, your aspirations, but I'm asking you, man, don't stop because you think God has stopped. I pray that you will stop because God has told you to stop. Some of y'all have stopped in your tracks. You're not trying anymore. You're not going anymore. You're not seeing answers to prayers, and you're like, oh, I'm going to give up three times, a third time's a charm. I'm, I don't think God's listening to me but I'm encouraging you. Man, if God has not given up on you, how dare you give up on him? Don't let go with, because you feel like you let go when he says, let go. Keep pounding. Keep striking. I don't know if you don't see that the water coming out of that desert as yet, but keep striking. Keep pounding. Keep working. You don't see that promotion at work. Keep grinding. Keep striking. Keep pounding. You don't see your marriage coming, getting any better. Do what you do best. Love fiercely. Pursue fiercely. Do what God has called you to do be that wife be that husband you don't see your children improving they keep rebelling be that mother be that father keep pounding keep grinding we need to understand that this is important in church don't stop pounding don't stop working on that marriage for some of y'all you'll probably reach the end of that rope and you're like god i don't know if i can stay in this marriage any longer Maybe one day that's the purpose where God will release you from a marriage on the condition of abuse or adultery or abandonment. And, and But till then, God's like, keep pounding. Differences in opinion doesn't mean you have to stop pounding. I, we have grown apart doesn't mean you have to stop pounding. You know, we, we, we just don't have the same feelings for each other. There's no butterflies in my stomach. What butterflies It's a commitment and a a covenant you made with one another where there's a will to love somebody, you can love them. Butterflies or moths, I don't care. You commit to one another and you pray through what you're going through and say, God, we'll get through this. Come on, somebody. The second thing is this, I wanna leave with you is this. Keep it real. See, Elijah was taken up to heaven. I don't know if you remember this, but in 2 Kings chapter number two, earlier on, we see this passage where he takes this, and I'm, I'm going to cut this short. He says, he, the Bible talks about how he's about to be taken up to heaven, and, and uh, Elisha is this uh, this man that's going to come after him, and he's been training him, and grooming him, and he looks at him and says, man, what do you want? And, and he looks at him and says, man, I want your anointing. Like, I want what you have, but double the portion of that. And Elijah says, man, if you have that faith, just be there at the right time, at the right place. So, so what happens? He takes his garment, he hits the river, the, 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 the water splits. He walks on dry ground and he looks at him and says, man, what can I do for you? And Elisha says, I want to do that. Exactly that. But I want to do it with double strength and double anointing. So in, in, in 2 Kings chapter 2 in verse 12 to 14, the Bible says, and Elisha saw it and he cried, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen, and he saw him no more. The same phrase that they used to Elisha, he's using, and it says he saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into two pieces. And he took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood at the bank of the Jordan. And he took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water saying, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he had struck the water, the water was parted to the one side and to the other. And Elisha went over. He strikes the water once. Nothing happens. Where's God? God, I don't see the immediate miracle. I don't see the immediate breakthrough. But he strikes it again. He pounds at it again. Don't give up because you don't see the miracle once. If God has promised it to you. If God said, I will give it to you. If God said, this is my idea. Don't quit. Keep pounding. Keep striking. Keep it real before God today. Oof. And he looks at God and says, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? I don't know about you, but I grew up in church. And I was taught if you talk to God that way, you'll be struck down with a lightning bolt. But the Bible teaches me to be real with God. If I don't bring my questions to God, who will I bring my questions to? I can open the Bible and I can show you men and women that look to God and said, God, Why? God, how? And you may not fully understand his plans. You may not fully understand his marvelous ideas. But one thing can be assured that in his time, he will bring all things to pass. But you and I need to get into the presence of God and ask God questions, not Google or Alexa, because they don't know nothing. The plans that he has for you is good. Some of us go to church based on how God has been to you that week. You wake, you, some, some of y'all woke up this morning, like, I don't want to go to church. But Pastor Mess has done Discord and said, see you in the morning. So you're brushing your hair and you're like, Ugh. he's going to ask me, he's going to text me after service, finding out where I am. So you're like, fiercely combing your hair, screaming at your kids, wake up, get ready, let's go. I thought, I don't want to go. I lost my job this week. I don't, I, I don't know if you're still alive. Screaming at the kids. Once you're in the car, you're like, man, angry at them. Some of, so, anybody fight on the way to church? Amen. That was us growing up. That's us now. That's, anytime we fight, it's Sunday morning, y'all. This place got awfully quiet. Like, like, thank you, Jesus, for the confirmation. Speak to somebody today. Like stuff that doesn't even matter comes up on Sunday mornings on the way to church. For those of y'all who are not married, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Like T.D. Jake says, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. It's fun. Hmm.
1: And it's easy, man. Some of us
0: rolling in after the second song, making sure, man, the house, everything was falling apart on the way to church and you're, you just barely made it to church. And some of y'all mad because sea kids were closed. It was like, I couldn't check my kids in. Look, I told you to get ready on time. And you come, and you're standing in worship, and you can't lift your hands. You can't worship, because you don't want to be fake. Anybody been there before? (laughs) You don't want to lift your hands, because your husband's going to think like, you just lost it like 10 minutes ago. (laughs) You you almost asked for a divorce like two minutes ago, and now you're like trying to lift your hands, and sway around, and then fall on your face. And your husband's like, what is wrong? It's easy to feel fake at that moment. It's easy to convince ourselves that our worship is fake. But I'm telling you something. It's the realest it will ever get in that moment. See, fake is, I'll praise you as long as you got my back, God. Lord, I'll, 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 I'll praise you as long as everything is going good for me. Real is even when, even when you're at the end of the rope, and even though your family's falling apart, and even though you have no control of yourself, it is coming into the presence of God and saying, get out of my way. This is a time between me and my maker. I got to praise him. I got to worship him. I got to show him my flaws. I got to show him my weaknesses. I got to show him my heart. Get real before God today. He looks at God and says, yeah, I just got anointed, God. I just had the mantle poured over me. But man, I'm striking this and nothing's happening. Where are you, God? But just don't ask God and stop. You keep doing what you're supposed to do. He strikes again. He strikes again. And, 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 and sometimes some of us need to understand, man, worship even when you know that you're not worthy. The last thing is this. Keep reading. Don't stop reading. Why do I say that? Verse 20 is this. We ended by this. So Elisha died and they buried him. See, the usually, usually the story stops there. Nobody reads beyond that. It's either they live happily ever after. There's no, there's no chapter after that. Am I talking to somebody? He died and he was buried. There's no story after. See, but that's not the gospel we read. You got to understand that there's always a continuation of the story. See, if you stop over there, it would be a mist. So the Bible goes on to say, now bands of Moabites used to invade the land in the spring of the year. And as a man was being buried, so there was this huge war that happened. People died. And as the man was being buried, behold, a marauding band was seen and the man was thrown into the grave of Elisha. Now, listen to this. They just, they just threw this man at the grave of Elisha. And the Bible says, as soon as this man, this dead man, touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and he stood on his feet. Like, imagine being that man. <laughs> okay? You were dead. You were gone. Battle scars, battle wounds. And you're getting up and you're like, woo! like a halloween nightmare coming coming alive in front of you skeletons all around but you have no idea what happened to you oh come on somebody i I don't know if you understand what i'm where i'm going with this but see if you're not careful you will close the book at the word funeral if you're not careful you will close the book as soon as you heard it's done it's dead as soon as somebody tells you there's no more hope you'll close the book immediately as soon as somebody says, man, I, as soon as your friends say, you, you, you better leave him. You better leave her. You, you better, you know, quit on this. You better you, quit your job. You better, you, you don't have to take that anymore. You, you'll close the book and you'll walk away. But the Bible says this, the dead body touched Elisha's bones and this man comes back to life. I'm sure this man is super confused. I don't know how many of y'all have been to the funeral of your own job. The funeral of your own relationship, the funeral of your own dream, the the friend, the friendship, the job, the business. But wait till God does what he didn't do. I want to encourage somebody this morning. Do you have the patience to wait till God does what he didn't do? What do I mean by that? Maybe it's the accident that he didn't prevent. Maybe it's the business that he didn't grow. Maybe it's COVID that he didn't cure. Maybe it's the pregnancy that he didn't save. Maybe it's the cancer that he didn't keep in remission. Maybe it's the relationship that he didn't restore. But it doesn't have to end there. My God is a God that brings back to life those that he had breathed life into in the first place. God can use your bad. God can use your, your death. God can use the closed door in your life for the blessing of either somebody else or for a new door to open. See, I have a journal. I used to write a journal. I forgot to bring it, but I used to write a journal and now I do journals on my, on my notes. And some pages I would love to share with you and other pages I, I, you don't want to read it. You don't but the good thing about a journalist is always empty pages there's always place to write more there are pages that account for the for the stuff that happened to me that almost made me give up and say, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be a pastor anymore. There are pages that have stories of my, the doctor looking at Sonia and I. And saying, unfortunately, there is something that we notice in, in this baby that, you have, that hasn't been born as yet. That's in your belly. We notice something with the brain. We notice something with her body. Some abnormalities that is going to come out really bad. And we sat there and we chose to look at God and say, but God. There are stories, that are, there are pages in that journal that will look at you and say, Ashish would not have made it to the next day. And there are, there are other pages that are good, that are awesome, that are filled with hope. But it also has empty pages because those empty pages can remind me that I can overlay my story with the finished story of Jesus Christ. Worship team, you guys can get ready uh, to come up. But I want to remind you that his story ends with peace. His story ends with Jesus winning. There's no alternative ending. There's no alternative ending, y'all. I pray that today our eyes will open. I don't know what it is that you've been praying for. I don't know what it is that you've been fasting for. I don't know what it is that you've been asking God to do in your life for the answers that you haven't gotten, for the prayers that you have prayed. But I want to encourage somebody just because you don't see it in front of you. It doesn't mean you should quit, that you should walk out. I pray that we will strike, that we will pound, that we'll keep going, even when life says, stop. I pray that we will not give in to the lie of the enemy that your life is done, the story is over but I pray that we will put up our hands and say God I totally and fully surrender to you where are you today? when God doesn't, what do you do? when God doesn't what do you do? because every single time I face that in my life where God doesn't my youth pastor described it to me and you probably heard this illustration before He illustrated this to me once in the moment of desperation in my life where I was asking God, God, why are you not coming through for me? And he looked at me one day and he said, Ashish, here's what I want you to understand. You write exams, you write tests in school. And every time you write tests in school, the teacher doesn't come stand right by you and, she doesn't help you with the answers she doesn't whisper the answers to your ears then that's the crazy part that was the moment I really wanted the teacher to talk when she was talking during the lesson I was talking too I was talking to everybody else see that was a moment I had to keep quiet and listen to what she was saying which would not have put me in the predicament that I was during the test but as I was in a situation where I'm like Lord I really need Lord speak to that teacher do a miracle. Let her come and whisper the end. Just let her tell me if it's A, B, C, or D. Just one of the answer. Just Please. But he looks at me and says this. He says, but that's the only moment the teacher will not say anything to you. Because a teacher knows that she doesn't need to say anything on that day if she's taught you the lesson already. See, and oftentimes... God is that teacher. He's not cruel. He doesn't want to sit behind and stand back and see your misery and see you, you know, in pain and suffering. And I know your silent whisper is God. Would you please whisper? would you tell me what to do would you show me the way would you give me a B would you tell me this way or that way anybody been in that situation and God's like bro like like I've taught you the lesson like we've been through this like we have been through this training session already and only if you listened and only if you were quick to and if you were leaning towards my heart you would have been ready for this season would you stand up to your feet My God's not a cruel God, my God's a God that looks at you and says, there are times that I won't. There are times that I will will look at you and say, no, that's not my will. That's going to be a closed door. I don't know what closed door you're standing in front of. I don't know what impossible situation that you think that you're in front of. I want to remind you that my God is able. My God is powerful. My God is on the throne. Like we do every Sunday, I'm going to pray for you, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to release you for this week. But we're also going to have a time of prayer, we're going to have a time of open altars, a time of worship. If you feel like you need to stay, even after I give you the benediction, after I release you, if you feel like you need to stay, just get prayed over, stand where you are, just linger in a few more moments of worship, feel free to do that. I pray that God will minister to you this morning. But whatever your situation is whatever your condition is wherever you are in life remember God is preparing you you may not understand why you got a clean house right now but it's building within you something that is going to be so beautiful later on. you want it to work a certain way because the reviews say that that's how it works you're trying it over and over again and you're doing it the way Susie did it you're doing it the way George did it you're doing it the way Tom did it but God's looking at you and saying man I just don't need to do it the same way that I did it for all of them I might have done it one way for Elijah but Elijah, sometimes you got to strike it twice sometimes you just got to keep going 30 years man pastor that seems a lot but the beauty that comes out of that is amazing church and today I want to pray for you I want to bless you I want to release you into this week that is ahead of you, but I want to challenge you with that question one more time. What would you do when God doesn't, if God does not do what you want him to? Would you give up? Would you walk away? Would you pick something else? Would you keep going? Would you push? Would you say, Lord, I'm praying and I'm fasting and I'm going to try till the breakthrough comes father we thank you for this beautiful beautiful day. thank you for blessing us thank you lord for your presence in this place thank you because you're an awesome god thank you because lord you are a god of angel armies thank you because you're a faithful god and i believe god that you are here in this place i pray for each and every person that's in this room every prayer need, every request, everything that people are dealing with today. God, I pray that you will come through in a supernatural way for them, God. Do what only you can do best. People that are at the end of the road, for people that I want to just give up, the people that have, have given up hope, have given up their, 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 their complete outlook on life and that have abandoned your promises. I pray today, God, that they will lean in to seek you more fiercely more powerfully than before so church may the Lord bless you may he keep you may he cause his face to shine upon you may he be gracious to you may he lift his countenance to your direction may he give you peace that passeth all understanding this week and the week to come thank you for listening we love bringing you the word on so many different platforms we are so thankful for what God is doing in and through us We'd love for you to subscribe so you don't miss out. And don't forget to share this message if it has blessed you.